Welcome into The Harvest, friends. This show is where we have conversations that help you live and share your faith in the modern life. We're trying to build a community of people who want to live out the faith, the ancient faith, in the 21st century. We're glad that you're here today. We've got a great show. We've got a listener question about how long does it take to make disciples. We're going to be talking about dealing with anxiety and overwhelm in uh, our modern lives. And then at the end of the show, we're going to have a a culture and faith segment where we talk about why Christians seem to be especially susceptible to conspiracy theories. So I'm excited about uh, our time today. Pick some loaded topic, guys. We pick some loaded ones. So, <laughs> buckle up, us. everybody. Yeah, pray for us. I wish people could hear the conversation we were having before we started to record. <laughs> That's true. Me yeah. too. Because we were talking about <laughs> conspiracy theories and you know just trying to make a catalog list of the different ones that are out there. And then <laughs> I don't know how you guys felt, but uh, even amongst ourselves, maybe there's a level of some theories that uh, oh yeah, they just some of us put more weight in than others. Yeah. Well, you guys talking about it made me very anxious. And so now we really need to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, I am looking forward yeah. to talking about the conspiracy theories and our main topic of anxiety and overwhelm. But we're going to start out with our listener question of the week. And as a reminder to those of you who are listening to this show, if you've got a question on disciple making or living out your faith that you would like our team to discuss on one of our future shows, Go ahead and email that to us at info at intotheharvest.org, and we would love to hear from you. We would love for these conversations to be geared specifically around relevant topics or issues that you find challenging as you try to live and share your faith. So email us, info at intotheharvest.org, and we'd love to uh, have more of your your questions on the show. But uh, today's question is from William Frank. And he says, how long does the process of disciple making normally take? And when do you know that you're done? So Keith, you want to take a a stab at that one? (laughs) I got first dibs. This is a tough question. I'm not going to lie. So um, yeah, I think um, I do like that he put that caveat in there. How how long does it normally take? Because uh, that helps because if that word wasn't there, then who knows, you know, like it makes it a lot harder. But um, I would, I would just say that, um, yeah, when you're really pouring your life into someone and uh, you walk in with them and you help them follow Jesus, like that process doesn't ever stop, you know. So take a guy like Peter after fi- like spending three years with the living, breathing Jesus. Jesus goes away. He's he's getting down. He's making disciples. And in Acts type, chapter 10, you see Jesus still making an impact on Peter and uh, coaching him to, through some things with some animals and yeah, that chapter's just awesome. But, uh, Actually, a really good point. Yeah, it's I just animal. don't think that, that that process like ever really stops to a certain extent. Now, it might look a little different, you know, like throughout the New Testament, it says that Paul, he could be in an area for a couple months, and then it says that he would have made disciples, you know, and I think that just mm-hmm. it's going to look different. So um, I think um, we shouldn't be as concerned with the results. Like, I would say, like, really trust God, like, Give that person your life, like, and don't stop giving it to them because you think that process is complete. So I know that's vague, but that was what I uh, was thinking about beforehand. Um, I don't know, William. William, (laughs) are you the type of person who, like, really likes a good 
timeline. Because if you are, then I feel you super strongly. And I too would like somebody to give me like some straight dates. Like tell me from day to day, like how long are we going to be at it? I am that I'm here to say, William, <laughs> that it's not like that. And I'm sure you actually know that. And that's probably why you sent in this question, because you were just really hoping we'd give you some. <laughs> but um, solidarity, brother, um, it, we don't know. Um, I think I totally agree with what you said, Keith. Um, this is just a lifelong uh, relationship that we're in. And that's the glory of it, um, is that this that no person is a project, a project that has a completion date. Um, We're in relationship with one another. And relationships, you know, we really, maybe times change and the, the, the definition of the relationship changes, what it looks like on the day-to-day can change, but um, we're, still, we're still in some form of relationship. Um, so I really kind of look at it as raising kids. Um, we probably go through a stage where like, maybe they're in your house, maybe it's like on a day-to-day basis. Um, then as they get older, they start to leave the house for longer periods of time and you're just checking in, seeing how they're doing. Um, and then maybe they leave the house and they're out there making their own disciples, which is like the dream, right? Um, and then you're just checking in every so often to like, you know, pray with them and um, be kind of like in touch with what's going on. Um, but we don't have any real clear guidance about like the timeline of that. Um, some people take longer in uh, those teen years or some people take longer as, as like the, the little toddlers. So um, I really do think that uh, when we step into that discipleship making role and then disciple as being disciples ourselves too, um, I have to remind myself that I've got to check back in with the parents sometime, like mm-hmm. check in with them, see um, how I can bless them. But also uh, just to like, throw my life at them and say, do you see anything? Like Mm -hmm. we got to, do I need to like tune some, (laughs) get the screwdrivers in there? Um, So I think this is just a lifelong relationship that we're in and that's the glory of it. Um, So I think it's, it makes it great. Um, But if you're type A like me and you'd like some clear, uh, (laughs) clear dates, then it's going to be rough. Yeah, I think um, I, I love the analogy of parenting because I, I'm kind of experiencing that myself. We've got um, several adult kids now who are out of the home and we're still parents. But you're right, Abigail, the relationship does look different. The end of, of Will's question where he says, when do you know that you're done? I do think that's a that's a good thing to maybe finish up our, our conversation on this particular question. I've always, I've often wondered, how did Jesus know? Like, why did it take three years, not two years, not four years? Like, how did he know that it was time um, that he had spent enough time with the disciples? And I, I really do think that that was the the main driver for how long Jesus's public ministry lasted. Was how hmm. long did the twelve need um, to really capture? Um, I guess you could say the essence of his message and his mission, and I would even say Mm -hmm. his model. Mm -hmm. And at the end, at the last supper, Jesus said that I have given you, I've given you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And it's, it's the, the new commandment, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you. And so my own, my own personal, is it interpretation? It's not even a conviction, but my interpretation is that Jesus needed three years to give them the model. 
to to mm-hmm. demonstrate uh, what it meant to to walk in his footsteps and and to pass on his message. Um, and I do think that Jesus punched out as soon as possible. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think he mm. overtrained the 12. That, to yeah. Keith's point, there were obviously things that they did not fully understand. Even after Jesus ascended, there were things that they still had to learn. Jesus was still teaching them. But they had enough that, and this is the key point, they had enough that he could physically leave. They did not mm. need him to be physically present. And and they knew the message, they knew the mission, and they were committed to, to living it out. And so I think that that's one of the things that I've got in my head is um, if I'm no longer physically connected to this person and guiding them, do they understand enough of the message and the mission? And is the commitment level there for them to live out this, this uh, model that Jesus has given us, even though I'm not around? Because making, making disciples is not just about passing on information. You know, when Paul uh, wrote to Timothy in Second Timothy, there were a whole list of things that he said that uh, Timothy had followed. Let me just look them up real quick. In Second Timothy three ten, Paul told Timothy, "You followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecution, sufferings." So, so Timothy he got a lot more from Paul than just the the information about Jesus. Hmm. That he really followed <clears throat> Paul's life. And uh, so I do think it takes longer than, than we think it does to, to pass those things on. And if Jesus, the Son of God, required three years to, to pass those things on to the 12, then I, I do think the process is longer than we sometimes like to believe. So true. hopefully that uh, was helpful <laughs> to not only you, Will, but some of our listeners. Um, great question. I do think it's something that I've thought about and I, I've heard other people ask. So I'm glad that we got a chance to talk about that on the show. All right, well, we're going to switch into our main topic for the show today, which is anxiety and overwhelm. How do we deal with it as modern day followers of Jesus? And I don't know about you guys, but it, it seems to me that this, this struggle with anxiety and overwhelm is something that is increasing in modern life. Have you guys experienced that in, in your own personal lives or in, as you're trying to help other people? No, (laughs) not at all. Right. I actually, I'm going to be subversive and say, I don't think it's on the rise. I think that we're just, um, we're woke about it now. Mm. Like we know what it is. We've like labeled it. Hmm. Um, so I, I actually think that anxiety has been around since the beginning of time. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to go against that, but yeah. Well, I agree. I agree. It's been around, but do you think it's increasing? I don't know. Like, like I know for, so for, for me, like when I was a teenager, I mean, obviously there's struggles that you go through as a teenager, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we've just labeled it. Maybe I, maybe I was struggling with anxiety. I don't know if you can hear our... Uh... You know what makes me anxious? Is, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the sound of sirens no. coming at me. <laughs> but as a parent, as as we had teenagers, as we have had teenagers go through those teen years, it does seem like anxiety is at a different level. But maybe I'm just misremembering, you know, yeah. my own experience. Yeah, that was mm. tough. I, I uh, haven't looked into any, like, super deep data, so I, I couldn't, like, uh, say for sure, but... What I see, like my eyes, like my visuals, I think so. Like, I think you guys are both right to a certain extent. Like, Abby, what you're saying is that it's always been present. Like, 
and uh, we're a lot more keened in on it. Like, uh, it kind of reminds me of the virus, like when testing went up and everything, like how the numbers went up a lot more because there was a lot more tests, you know? So, yeah, that uh, I, I think it's on the rise and just more people are dealing with it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess, you know, I will probably get into like how social media has probably ex- like just mm-hmm. really increased um, uh, probably our anxiety levels, but also just being aware of other people's anxiety. People are just tend to be more open and honest, I think, about their mental health and how they're mm-hmm. doing in that department, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember like a few years ago reading like, you know, you like scroll through on Instagram and somebody has posted like, these are the signs that you have anxiety. And I read them and I thought, wait, like you're saying that other people don't experience these things and that's what that Mm. is. So friends, I do have anxiety and I didn't know that people can go to bed at night and just go to sleep. (laughs) Is that you, Andrew? Do you just go to sleep at night? Like just like a chill person? Like, (laughs) well, we were, we were joking before we started recording the show that last week we had a question about, introverts and extroverts and of course all three of us are extroverts and it was specifically how do how do introverts make disciples uh, along those lines and and this year this week's uh, show on on anxiety i don't think that anxiety is something that i particularly struggle with I'm, i think all of us like you said abigail deal with anxiety but i don't sure. think for for me it's at the same level maybe uh, at least in interacting with others i don't think that i become as anxious probably just because of maybe my, my temperament, I'm not sure. But yes, when I lay down, I'm pretty much asleep um, within, within two or three minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, that is so annoying. I really... <laughs> yeah, I gotta be uh, really tired to go to sleep in two to three minutes. It takes my brain a little bit, um, a little bit to wind down. But I'll just talk about my own experience with anxiety. Like, um, yeah. I think the first time I experienced anxiety, like before I was a believer, before I was in the Navy, so I'm going to say I'll brush over that part, but I'll brush over that part. It was when uh, Torin and I were taking, like getting really deep into Spanish, like not just Mm -hmm. like trying to learn conversational Spanish, but trying to get like, uh, excuse me, a Spanish proficiency certificate and like Mm -hmm. you're taking like bilingual uh, classes for Spanish. So every time I had to go to that class and like be amongst people who were very intelligent and knew Spanish. Uh, way better than I did. That just gave me a certain level of anxiety. But now, um, these days, I didn't think I struggled with it as much, Andrew. But when I'm walking through a grocery store with this like big mask on and like I'm trying to find what I need, like I definitely find myself a little bit more anxious now. Like where I'm like, man, like can I just get out of the store so I can take this mask off and not be around people? And like, but I'm like, what's up with that? I've never really uh, had that go on. So uh, yeah, I'm not sure why that is or if anybody can relate to the mask and being out in public and. I guess being worried about the pandemic, I don't know. So, yeah, I um, for sure. I don't know if I'll ever be able to be around large crowds ever again. I never liked them to begin with. Like, I'm not like a Six Flags, like <laughs> mm. a Disney World person, um, like a big festival. Those are not my jam. So now, even more so, like I see a bunch of people, and I'm like, <gasps> not because I think they're going to get me sick, but just because I'm not used to being around tons of people. Yeah. So I do understand that the pandemic has really changed our anxiety, like 
just levels. Um, I have always been an overthinker. So um, I basically go to bed at night and rethink the day. And I go through all the conversations I had. And I think about how I could have done them differently. I think about what other people were thinking. I think about how um, I need to do these 50 trillion things tomorrow and how I'm going to do them. And you know what? Are my kids okay? Like, are they, are they going to turn out okay? Like, I have, is bread okay? Like, is his job okay? <laughs> I think our foundation is really messed up. Like, I think the floors might cave in and I've noticed a crack <laughs> in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And also, I think I forgot to take that load of laundry out of the washing oh, machine. So it's still in there. So that's what happens for me at night. And that's been my, like, I remember it starting in, like, junior high and high school is probably when it showed up for the first time. And I like would just lay in bat- bed for hours and hours. Um, mm. oh, wow. So that so that has been like just my existence from the beginning of time. Having children was just like, come on, let's do this. Let's add a whole new level. <laughs> So I really thought I would never sleep again, but I did. So it's okay. Well, let me, let me ask you guys. I do think that there's, there's just, so I think anxiety is, is true for all of us. I think all of us experience anxiety at some level, but it also seems clear that there are those of us who struggle more with anxiety uh, than others. And so, you know, one of the questions is, you know, is anxiety avoidable? I think not. Um, and we can maybe dive into why that is, but, but I also think that, um, that there, sometimes I'm talking with my wife who, who definitely struggles with anxiety. And as, as I listen to what she's describing, I think to myself, like, this is irrational, like, like the, the, and even some of what you were describing there, Abigail, it's it's sort of like, it could be true, (laughs) it could be true, but like, let's say if you catalog, let's say you catalog 20 things that might might happen it's like yeah but probably none of them are going to so i maybe let's talk about how do we how do we deal with things to say yeah good how do we deal with anxiety and how do you know like because i do think that there are some things when you're anxious they're based in reality like Mm. maybe the probabilities are much higher that something could go wrong in this situation Mm -hmm. so there's a there's an appropriate level of anxiety um but but how do you how do you guys discern between am i being over anxious versus is this just a normal level um, so I want to go first. As I, I'm so offended by what you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can feel Get the Get pain here. I mean, I don't know if they can see my face, but I was like, Aw. anyway, it's fine. I'm okay. Um, so it's definitely not based in reality, Andrew. And it's rude of you to even mention reality. Like that has nothing to do with this. Like that's not even a part of it. And I, and I know it in the moment. Like there's not really... Um, much I can do about those things in the middle of the night, but I can't stop my brain from thinking about them. Mm. So, um, you know, this is, I don't want to get ahead of us of like the things to do to help anxiety. Cause we will get to that. But I think instead, um, it's, it's just going ahead and naming it what it is, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the what ifs of life. Right. Um, and this is something that my, my ladies that I meet with um, from our church, we've been talking about a lot lately. And um, there are several of them who really, really struggle with anxiety to a huge degree. And um, one of them, she's really awesome in that she is completely open with her. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, crazy anxious thoughts like they'll be insane um 
uh, she's going to love me for throwing her under the bus for this. I will not name her name, but she will know. Um, she told us recently about how she was very much struggling with the fact that she was sure that a car was going to crash into her house, pin her children to the wall, and that was going to happen. Um, she was really, really struggling with this. And hmm. I knew that if I came to her, Andrew, and was like, but girl, it's probably not going to happen. Like that was going to be so unhelpful because she couldn't, it's not a rational thing. It's not something that you can come at with any kind of your, your logic. I really hope you don't come at Cindy with your logic in these moments because it's, it's not about that. <laughs> well, in 26 years of marriage, I'm learning for sure. I, oh, yeah. I will, I'm I will confess you. that I I've definitely come because that's, that's how I cope with it. Like, I'll think about the possibilities and I'm like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And then like, yeah, that would be know. nice if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I would be lying if I said that then I I understand. Like, I have a hard time understanding, I guess, that level of, mm. of the emotional reaction right. to the possibility. Yes, so absolutely. Um, so what we did um, as a group of ladies is um, we really have started implementing the even if instead of what if. So 100 percent, mm. we just acknowledge the fact that cars really do sometimes crash through buildings and pin your children to the wall. And um, but we could say but even if that were to happen, like Jesus is still Lord, yeah. you know, we will still trust him. He will help us in that tragedy. And that actually helped so much more than if we mm. came at it in a rational way, because there was no convincing and there's no convincing Abigail's brain at 2 a.m. <laughs> that she shouldn't figure out how to teach her children the multiplication tables like tomorrow. Mm. Um, so instead, I have to go back to truth about who God is, like what is really my point of raising children, you know, all those things. So. Thank man. <laughs> this is why I love doing a podcast with you, with you guys. Like there's so much comes out. There's so much good stuff here, you know? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. You guys so. had no idea the crazy things going on in my brain, did you? <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever talked about this. Like, I don't even think I've thought about it myself, but um, I do have this random bug in my ear every once in a while i think since i ruptured my achilles mm -hmm. that i'm gonna be walking or something and like a car is gonna run over my achilles and like completely destroy it uh, i don't know where that came from but i see but like yeah I don't, it's not often but it's like i think about it i'm like yeah my it's just my legs gonna get like severed i don't know what's up with that but um yeah i don't want to get into solutions too much but it feels good to say that like yeah i have thought about that like i don't know why like where that came from but i do know that there is also an accuser, like there's an enemy that yeah. runs around accusing the world, accusing the saints, you know? So uh, do I think that that second question, that anxiety is avoidable? I don't think so, because at some point you're going to accuse about something like, hey, don't you don't you know that this is going to happen? Like, did God really say? Did God really promise? So, yeah, I don't think yeah. it's avoidable. I um, a lot of times I can feel like my anxiety is about circumstance. Like I've spent too much time in social media. I've spent way too much mm -hmm. time reading the news. Like there's things that we can do to be healthier with our anxiety levels and our thought life. But then there are times when I will have anxiety and I know that it could only be spiritual. Like it's just mm -hmm. a spiritual attack. It's hard in the moment to recognize that that's what it is. But I think with training or just with reminder of that, maybe even after the fact, we look back and we're like, you know what? There were really no other circumstances that can explain that other than the enemy just hmm. didn't want me to be running at optimum faith level. No. Like he wanted to get me like things were going on and he was like, 
I don't enjoy this. I'm going to, mm. I know how to get her. I know what to say to her to convince her that, you know, the world's ending. So <laughs> you're absolutely right, Keith. I think it's really important for us to remember that there is, there is an enemy who wants to use this to cripple us for sure. Mm. Well, I think we should probably move into some of the, the, the practical suggestions. And we've already talked, I think we've already begun to, to talk about some of those, you guys. But, but I put this out on social media and uh, did get some responses. And, and that was a common theme is that people were hoping that we could give some action steps or some, some practical ways uh, to put things in God's hands. Um, because you can know God's in control, but in the moment... You know, how do you address feeling anxious and and uh, working through processing through that that anxiety and that sense of overwhelm? So, um, Abby, I like what you said about even if I think that's that's, that's probably a pretty that's, that's a pretty good thing for folks to to hang on to. Any other yeah. suggestions that uh, that you would have practical steps? Um, I think if you struggle with really serious anxiety, and if you do, you know who you are, and you've really tried all the little tiny techniques. I actually got the even if from Tammy, the therapist. She wasn't my therapist, but she was my friend's therapist. And then she shared that with me, and it's helped a lot of people. So Tammy, the therapist, um, (laughs) was really great. Um, A lot of people are not down with therapy, but I think if you really have a huge like weight of anxiety and you've tried all the little techniques that we might give you today and you're like no none of that's working then i really do think that a therapist is a great thing make sure that that therapist is a believer um i think as long as we know what filter that that advice or that listening ear is coming from then that's really really key and important so i will say like find yourself a christian therapist so that's like you know top tier if you're really really struggling I actually believe in therapy, so that's probably my number one thing. And then, yeah, I think that the even if question has helped me a lot just to recenter on Jesus. Um, scripture memory is probably the other because mm. I don't necessarily have like access to a Bible in the pitch black of 2 a.m., but I do have scripture that's already in my head. And, you know, you can just, you know, shout out those like, help me Jesus prayers and usually he's really good about bringing to mind the mm. things our mind already knows. So we want to equip that brain mm. with as many tools as possible. So I think, um, you know, memorize yourself some scripture that has promises about anxious hearts, like about anxiety, and commit those to memory. I think that's probably my, my second one. That's good. What about you guys? Yeah, I, think I mean, Andrew has zero tools. So you gave the top tier. Right. I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the bottom tier because that's where I feel like I'm at. <laughs> oh no, man, you, maybe, you maybe messed maybe up, Andrew. Don't worry. Talk about <laughs> compassion towards those living. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think the big thing for me is like, where do you turn? You know, so knowing that it's real, knowing that it's really impacted our society, knowing that it's unavoidable. Like, where are you gonna turn when it happens? And I think being prepared ahead of time, it's helpful. I'm not saying that's always going to happen or that's going to be ideal, uh, but I do think there's a reason, you know, that the Bible ta- tells us to cast all of our anxieties mm-hmm. on him because he cares for us, because I think he does. Like, I know he does. And uh, it's it's a weird thing. Uh, I'm taking you guys behind the curtain again. So I get headaches every once in a while. Like some of it's dehydration, some of it's being a coffee addict and trying to go on and off battling that beast right there. But, uh, and I don't profess to have any gifts when it comes to healing or the ability to heal. But every time I get a headache, if I just pray in that moment for a second, that headache goes away. So 
call it placebo, like call it God's like hand coming in, but like it's almost automatic. I don't have to think about it. I get a headache, I pray, and it, it goes away. So it might come back and I might have to drink some more water or take a Tylenol, but like uh, that's a go-to for me. So in anxiety, um, when I am feeling those, those feelings, like it's like, where do you turn? Like, where are you going to go to next? Because it's going to happen. You're going to find yourself thinking about your leg getting ran over and uh, <laughs> getting severed, you know, yeah. it's like, and then that's an opportunity for you to take that thought captive, you know, like the Bible tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that's the moment to apply that verse or that promise. So I'm trying to get better at it myself. Like, I'm not saying that I always do this, you know, when I'm in a grocery store, sometimes I'm just, and I'll turn on my headphones, like I'll listen to a podcast or something. And that doesn't always like cure it, you know, and I know what will. So I want to get better at just without even thinking about it, taking it straight to God and trying to uh, claim some of those promises. Yeah, that's good. I think um, the the picture that came to mind, Abigail, when you were talking earlier, and you, you mentioned um, you know, crying out to God. And it was the picture of, um, the story of, of Peter walking on the water. And of course, you know, it says that, that when he saw the wind and the waves, um, he began to sink. And so, you know, as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, um, he was, he was doing it, you know? Um, but when he began to realize that, Hey, this is crazy. Um, out here, uh, I'm out, I'm out here walking on water and there's lots of winds and wave. Um, yeah. um, I think he probably was anxious in that moment and he began to sink uh, because that's the reality is that the world is a very dangerous place. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we feel anxious. You know, I was talking to um, one of my kids about this show and about anxiety and and um, what he thought the cause of it was. And he was like, it's just uncertainty. Like there's so much that you don't know uh, yeah. about what's going to happen. And so like, how can you not be anxious? And so I, I do think that it's, it's rooted in reality for, for us as believers. The only solution to that is, is to either ignore it, which is what I think, you know, putting on a podcast or trying to drown out the, the knowledge that there's a lot that could go wrong in life. And we're very fragile um, when we realize uh, how little control we mm. have. Mm. Um, the other thing is, you know, Philippians four, we can turn to, to God. And that's what Peter did. You know, he, he cried out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And, and of course, you know, Jesus did. And Philippians four talks about, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, yep. uh, let your requests be made known to God. So I think, um, you know, in that moment, if we can cry out to God, if we can look to Jesus and ask him to help us, um, that is definitely what the Bible recommends that we do. Um, just as we wrap this up, I do think that one of the challenges for us in modern times is we are so much more aware of the threats and the crazy yeah. things that are going on in the world around it's us. It, it's not even necessarily in our immediate situation, but we're being bombarded with all the terrible things that are happening around the world and all, all the things that could go wrong. And, and we're going to talk about conspiracy theories here in a moment. And what if it, what if it was this way? And, and what does yeah. it mean for us? I do think that part of what we need to do to to develop mental health in 2021 is is really monitor and moderate what we expose ourselves to hmm. in terms of information. Yeah. And hmm. I, I'm I'm more convinced than than ever that the ability to discipline your social media feed is is a critical part of discipleship in 2021. Yeah. That that if we're not able or willing to discipline what we're exposing ourselves to, we're not going to be able to follow Jesus the way that he's calling us to. 
And that doesn't mean that we put our heads in the sand and we just ignore what's mm-hmm. happening in the right. world. Right. But it does mean that we don't take on the burdens of the world that, that the Lord never expected us to take on. And I do think that that's something that's happening for yeah. not just modern believers, but, but modern people are just being mm-hmm. overwhelmed by all the bad yeah. things that could happen yeah. or that are happening around the world. And, you know, that uh, I'm kind of ranting here, but a hundred years ago, like you just saw what was happening around you. And True. maybe you read the newspaper about something bad that happened on the yeah. other side of the world yeah. a week or two ago. But here we're getting it in real time. Um, everything that's happening, it's just more than I think we were ever designed to try to carry. So if you have to take yeah. a step away from that, um, then, and all of us do, then learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it really is about just um, noticing what is causing anxiety. And some things we have to keep doing, like we have to keep going to the grocery store. Um, But there are other things that we can, can actually take out. Like truly, there are things that we're consciously taking in that are Mm. not helping us. So um, you know, relationships can be that way too. Some relationships we have to still keep and they're going to cause us anxiety, but there are others that are causing right. you anxiety that that doesn't need to happen. Yeah. So, um, I think it's just being aware of like, well, what has, what, what caused that? What hmm. brought that on? Um, and sometimes there's no, no reason. I'm just, <laughs> no. just being a frantic person. <laughs> Well, hopefully, folks, uh, I hope that some of what we shared was uh, helpful. And if nothing else, we would love to hear from you guys. If you've got some suggestions that that we totally missed that have helped you deal with anxiety, um, Mm. you know, as you're as you're checking out this show, email it to us. Or if you're watching on YouTube, tell us in the comments below what are some things that have helped you deal with anxiety. We would love to hear it because all of us struggle with it. And uh, maybe what you have to share will help us. Except for Andrew, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> you see I how I tried to sneak that in there, Abby? No, I'm just kidding. I did too. I was like whispering. I, it, like, <laughs> I struggle with the anxiety that's rational. That's like, rational. Hey, this could oh, happen. Shush. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh man. That's, right. that's Good way to end awesome. that segment, right? That was good. Wow. That was good. Okay, for our Faith in Culture segment today, we want to talk about the question, why does it seem that Christians are especially susceptible to conspiracy theories? And some people might even be offended by that question, but I think it's true. I I think my observation is that as Christians, we seem to be particularly susceptible to getting hooked by these conspiracy theories that are out there. So what do you guys think? Is it true? And why... If so, why? Abby, you want to tackle this one? I, uh, I'm a little nervous about Mary. You want to go first? Oh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. Okay. Um, well, I when you sent this question out or the statement out, I was like, I don't know if this is even true. Um, I just think that we would hope better for Christians. We mm-hmm. would hope that we would mm-hmm. be a little bit more like level-headed, and we're not. And so that's disappointing. But um, Brett and I talked about it, and he was like, no, Abigail, we really are the worst. And he- <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to the drawing board. Um, and I really, uh, I think the it starts with the foundation that we as believers do believe that there is a force, a power, an evil working against mm-hmm. us, right? So mm-hmm. we already have that as part right. of our understanding. And so that can then make it a little bit more difficult um, when 
when faced with a so-called evil coming at us, we're like, wait, you know, I need to be, um, you know, noticing and there's like a good word. I should be discerning, right? I need to be discerning about evils and what I want to be on top of it and never get um, swindled. You know, I want to be the one that that knew the truth. Um, mm. And that can maybe pull us down some paths that are not mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So I, um, when I was pondering this, I thought of a uh, C.S. Lewis um, example. So I'd like to share it. And that is that uh, from the book, The Last Battle from the Chronicles of Narnia. If you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, just go ahead and skip to the end and read The Last Battle because we're like living it currently. Oh, so wow. you might just want to go ahead and read it so you wow. know what's going to happen. Um, but in that tale, there are these dwarves and they, they really have, um, they're just, they have, oh, what's the word? Ah, guys, I'm having trouble with words. Uh, they get, um, like turned against, like at the mm, last betrayed. second. Betrayed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there betrayed. It is. Anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> okay. So they, uh, they are betrayed. And so then, from then on, they're super cynical and very like, we will never be betrayed hmm. again. And so in the end, they are like taken to heaven, essentially. And yet they sit there and they're like, nah, we're not believing any of this. Like, we are still, like, our eyes have been deceived. Like, we, there's nothing good here. Um, and it says that Aslan said, their prison is only in their minds, yet mm-hmm. they're trapped in that prison. They are so afraid of being <clears throat> taken in that they cannot be taken out. And that's a lot of what's happening with Christians. We, we want to be like, not taken in. Like, you can't trick me. I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're trying to, I'm about to throw one of them out. You're trying to trap me with that vaccine and I'm not going to do it. You can, you're going to put a little chip inside. Friends, it may be true, but Jesus is still Lord. So it's mm-hmm. going to be okay. So yeah, that's what I think. Oh, you... <laughs> Keith wants me to go next to you. Nope. You must have a, a real bombshell that you're going to No bombs. I just want some time. You know, go ahead, Andrew. No, I, I really agree, especially with what you were saying there at the beginning, Abigail. I think, because I was thinking about this, what is it about us as Christians? And I like what you said, that, that we do believe that there is this spiritual force that's out there that is very deceptive, like from the beginning in the garden. Um, you know, Satan was working behind the scenes to, to pull the wool over our eyes and, and he's been doing it mm. ever since. Mm. Um, I also think that there is this um, <clears throat> revelation syndrome where we're all just sort of waiting for the the antichrist and the end of the world. And so every time something begins to go wrong in the world around us, um, we begin to suspect that, oh. oh, this is it, this is it, this is the beginning <laughs> of the tribulation. We're in it. So I do think that that Christians are they're almost looking for the conspiracy because they're expecting it. Um, and, and some of that, I think, is just really bad theology and not understanding end times and revelation. So that would be maybe one takeaway is to is to not just read the left behind books by uh, Tim LaHaye, but actually do, do an in-depth study of end times. Um, and also just be aware of, of like church history. A lot of bad things have happened. Um, you, know, you know, study the, the Inquisition. I mean, there are some terrible things that the church has, has both done and gone through that, um, that could have easily been interpreted as, oh, this is, this is the end. Um, so I, I think that is a big part of it is that as Christians, we're sort of, we've got a, um, a hair trigger 
for conspiracy theories because we're, we're looking for the, um, the end times to kick off. And then the, the, the last thing I would say why Christians, why, why we can be especially susceptible to conspiracy theories is what I would call the, the persecution complex, that, that we feel like we, we should be persecuted for our faith because the scriptures tell us that that's what we should expect. Um, and so again, anytime something begins to go wrong or could possibly end up with Christians losing ground or, or, or losing privileges, or maybe even experiencing persecution, especially here in the West, um, you know, we're very we're, we're very sensitive to that. I I feel like, and so, hmm. um, yeah, that's that's kind of one reason. Those are some reasons why I think that as Christians, we're especially susceptible to conspiracy theories. And it's last thing, Abby, you said <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> You know what? Keith is going to get to say, oh, we're out of time. We're yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm good. But no, does, we're going over time. <laughs> it, it seems like as Christians, we've got, we've got a very strong grasp on sort of the negative theology that, hey, there will be persecution. Mm-hmm. There, there yeah. is going to be uh, tribulation. Um, there are spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly places, but we don't have the corresponding grasp of God's in control. You know, God is good. God is watching over you. Um, the even if that you were talking about yeah, earlier, even cool. if we are going into the end times, um, that doesn't mean that we should should panic and, and basically lose heart and, and sort of go off the deep end. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's part of it is just let, let's strengthen our hmm. our dependence and our our calm trust in God that, yeah, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world, some real, some imagined, but above it all, you know, Jesus has been given all authority and all power. He's with us always. So we don't need to panic. We don't need to, to try to convince all of our friends of, of what's, what's happening and what's coming. Um, you know, the, the latest crazy theory that's going around on social media. Yeah, you guys crushed it. I uh, I really liked everything that you guys <laughs> no, said. You so it. don't worry. I, uh, I'm still gonna give my response, but I just want to affirm you guys that you did a really good job. And Andrew named like four complexes over there, you know. So uh, I'll try to come up with one yeah. too. I do think that some of it is like uh, as believers, as people who aspire to be like Jesus, the Savior of the world. There is a little bit of the Savior complex to where we're like, hey, I'm gonna uncover this evil. Like I'm gonna. I'm going to bring justice about, you know, um, and that, that's that's hard because uh, we are not um, omniscient or omnipresent or, or any of those omnis. You know, we're just people. So uh, <laughs> I do think that we have power because of God's spirit and there's things that we can do. But uh, I do think that we try to tackle on some big stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, my experiences with conspiracy theories. So before I was a believer, I uh, went down a rabbit hole, you know, felt like the Matrix where it's like you can take this pill or this pill. And I was like, man, I'm taking that one and I'm, I'm going to go all the way down there. So uh, I feel like I went pretty deep in it. And um, it, it was it's it's thanks because it's a rabbit hole, you know, and like you realize that you're trying to study the enemy's notes. You're right. like, hey, I'm going to look at the enemy's notes to see what's going on so that I'm ready for it. Yeah. I'm be prepared when we got God's notes like right here, you know, and uh, I think that's the biggest thing with conspiracies is like, where do you turn again? You know, so like when they brought. Uh, the thing about Pilate mingling the sacrifices in their blood to right. Jesus and like they're they're making a big deal like the tower and all of this stuff and Jesus just told him like hey like the, the gist of it was like hey focus on the main thing like don't get distracted over there because 
you can at some point perish too. So like, uh, man, run yeah. to Jesus in those moments instead of like trying to really focus on what the enemy's doing. So I've had to learn that for myself and it's been really helpful. I think actually looking at that stuff actually brought me to the light. Like if this is true, if all of this stuff is going on, the only solution is a savior who can save the whole world. So yeah, that's good. We're glad you went last. That was excellent <laughs> way to end. Yeah. I don't think we get bonus points if we're like, we called it. Like, I don't think that that's going <laughs> to That's end. true. Good point. <laughs> I don't think it's like, well, we'll put them at the front of the line. They called it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that's one of the things that is attractive about conspiracy theories, though, is to kind of feel like you, you saw it before yeah. anyone yeah. else did, did it. And, you warn it's people. It's the prophet so. complex. You want to be the prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking out all the complexes. Yeah. Well, friends, we hope, <laughs> no, we, this, them all. we hope this show has been helpful to you. If you know of other complexes that might be at the <laughs> yeah, root of people and Christians in particular buying into conspiracy theories, or if you just want to entertain us with some of the more uh, crazy conspiracy theories that you've heard being bandied about, leave those in the comments below. Uh, we'd love to connect with you guys and interact with you. So... We're glad that you're part of this community. Um, we're excited about being off and running with season four. And we will see you guys in a couple weeks for the next episode of the End of the Harvest Show. Until then, keep following Jesus. Keep your eyes yeah. fixed on yeah. him. And let's live and share our faith in the everyday places of life. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible. 